thank you guys for leading us in worship. That was awesome. That was phenomenal this morning. Man, so I, I, yeah, thank you all for helping us meet with the Lord. Good stuff. Love Chris's prayer, too. Man, it's just all on point this morning. Um, I, so I don't know uh, how many of you are actually reading Nehemiah through with us. It's a, it is a powerful book. If you have not been reading Nehemiah, and it, I don't, it has spoken to me in so many different at so many different levels. And I was thinking about the importance of just reading God's Word. I hope you're doing that. In the new year, we're going to actually start all reading the Bible together in a year. Um, I'm going to probably preach a message in November. I'm going to encourage you to do it. And so I want you to start thinking about: Are you willing to read the Bible in a year with us next year and go through it? But I was also thinking about when you read the Bible, how much Satan likes to distract you. Anybody ever dealt with this? You're trying to read your Bible this morning. Uh, if you are reading your Bible this year in a year, we started in the Book of Luke. We actually got the New Testament. Amen. Yes, finally, we've been working through the Old Testament forever. And uh, I was reading through the Book of Luke, and it was kind of like this. I was thinking. I'll read you actually what I read this morning. This is the way my mind was working. It said, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us. We need dog food. <laughs> and uh, and I, kept, I was like, with this in mind, since I myself carefully investigate everything from the beginning, I want to make sure I get a belt today. Sometimes I forget my belt in the mornings so I'm rushing out. Um, do you ever do that with the Bible? I, it's so frustrating. So... Um, so we got to learn how to read the Bible and read it together. And so as I read Nehemiah this morning from Nehemiah 5, uh, 1 through 13, I want you to try to, try to hone in on it. It's, it's a lot. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of words, but it's really important. Um, and then, then we'll circle back and talk about it. So I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of Nehemiah 5, 1 through 13. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. And still others were saying, we've had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are all the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials, and I told them, you're charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them, and I said, As far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people, only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued, What you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending people money and grain. But let's stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields and vineyards and olive groves and houses and also the interest you were charging them. One percent of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. We'll give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priest and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they promised. I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, In this way may God shake out of their house and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did just as they had promised. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Father, I ask you to bless the teaching and preaching of this word. Uh, I pray that I can get out of the way, Lord, so that you may be seen, heard, and experienced. 
Amen. You can be seated. So Nehemiah is trying to get a wall built. I don't know how much of it you could hone in on. May have thought of the dog food as I was reading that, but um, he's trying to get this wall built. And, uh, and, but what he's really trying to do is unite a people. It's not really about a wall. The whole book's not about a wall. God's not so interested in walls, but he's interested in people. And Nehemiah is trying to get a group of people together to actually build this wall around Jerusalem. And he's done a pretty good job of it so far. We know that he's fasted. We know that he's prayed. We know that he's gone to the king. He's made a request. The king of Persia, the king of Persia has blessed him. He's given him the resources. And so he's, he's like going and doing it. And then we skip chapter four because we can't cover all 13 chapters in eight weeks. Um, we're trying to do this in eight weeks. And so what happens in chapter four is that he gets all the people on board and they're building the wall. And chapter four tells us that they got a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. In other words, they're laying bricks, but they're also fighting off their enemies. But here's where we are today and where I want you to hone in. There's actually internal strife amongst their own people. Churches never argue, do they? They never disagree. Never experienced that one before. Um, they faced an external conflict, and they've dealt with that with swords. Now they've got internal conflict, which they don't want to deal with with swords. They've got to navigate it. And so the problem that they're dealing with today is actually about money. There's never internal conflict about money, is there? Nobody ever argues about money. You never argue about money in your house, do you? never happens. Nobody ever has any trouble around money. Um, that's my sarcasm. There's lots of struggles around money. And so the problem is, is that the government and the king are taxing them really, really heavily. And they're not only taxing them, but they've upped the interest rates so that the people who are actually building the wall can't afford to live. And they've taken time out to build this wall, and they've actually left their jobs to put all their focus on it. It'd be like if all of us said, hey, time out, we're going to leave our jobs, and we're going to go do this massive project God's calling us to. It only takes them 52 days, by the way to build this massive two miles around, 40 feet tall, 12 feet wide. They do it all in 52 days. Don't underestimate what the Lord can do with us. But what I'm saying is that they, they, they've got this conflict because they can't afford to pay their mortgages. The interest rates are going up and people are taking advantage of them and they're not working. There's also a famine. And so it's kind of this recipe for disaster. And Nehemiah is going to speak out against it. He's going to speak out against the injustice. And what I want to talk to you about today is speaking out against injustice and doing the right thing, especially if you're a leader. How many of you in here would consider yourselves a leader of something? Okay, so we have no leaders. The message is invalid. Um, it was really good. <laughs> Jeez. You guys are all leaders. You're all leaders. If you're a mom, you're a leader. If you're a husband, you're a leader. If you're a uh, a business owner, you're a leader. If you're a doctor, you're a leader. If you're a lawyer, you're a leader. If you're a contractor, you're a leader. If you're a school teacher, you're a leader. If you're a police officer, you're a leader. Whatever your role is, you're a leader. You're leading somebody. Even if you don't have any of those roles, I guarantee somebody's probably following you. And so the question is, will you lead with integrity and will you speak up against what's wrong or what's, what's not right in a situation? Will you stand for those you're leading? We always do the right thing. Look out for the interest of those under your charge. It's a good question for all of us. You think about how did Jesus lead? Jesus had people under his charge. We know he at least had 12, and then he had 72, and then he had there were 120. And how did he lead? He cared for the people under his charge. He loved them. He sacrificed for them. The point that he died for them. Are we willing to die for the people we lead? Huh. It's a good question. So... Before we get to how Nehemiah does this, there's actually kind of a, a part in the text that it kind of just comes down on the people for actually like 
part of their financial struggle is not that they can't afford their mortgage. Part of their financial struggle is that they actually have a mortgage. So he kind of comes down on them for having debt, if you read it. Kind of interesting. Um, how many of you in here are in debt up to your eyeballs? <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. Um, it'd be interesting if, if you know, everybody kind of wore their debt on their shoulders to know how much we're all borrowing in here. You know, debt, I hear people say, debt is used for leverage. Don't preach against debt. And I understand that. Uh, but if your leverage is to the point where you have no peace, where you can't sleep at night, then what's the point of leveraging anything? Because what we're trying to get is peace. And so these people have borrowed so much money on their homes. Yes, the interest rates are high, but you don't have to pay interest if you don't have debt. So they got a lot of debt. And so he starts off by just going, you've enslaved yourselves. I wonder how many people in here we have enslaved because they borrowed so much. And I'm not coming down on you because I don't really know who you are. As long as you're tithing, I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's totally a joke. Um, but the, the Bible is clear that it says that, uh, that the um, borrower is slave to the lender. That's what it says, Proverbs 22, 7. You can read about it for yourself. But Oh, by the way, we have some debt as a church. I don't know if you guys know that. We took on some debt. We actually took on about $3.2 million when we disaffiliated from the, from the Methodist Church. It's a pretty significant, hefty price tag. Um, it's about $18,000 interest a month, not even touching the principal. Um, so this is not the sermon for that, but there will be a sermon for that. Um, so we're going to need to pay that off, and I think debt keeps the church from doing what a church needs to do. Um, it's really hard to dream when you're like, our dream is to pay off debt. That's not too exciting. So we're going to pay off that debt in a hurry, and you'll be hearing more about it, and I hope that we'll really knock that thing out pretty soon so that we can really start dreaming about what God's got for us, okay? So here's the point. Nehemiah 5.11, um, Nehemiah really kind of calls the leaders, the government, the king, everybody out. He says, so I continued, what you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I, my brothers, my men are also lending money to people, money, lending the people money and grain. So he's saying, I'm lending money myself. But let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, their houses, and also the interest you're charging them, 1% of the money, grain, new wine, olive oil. In other words, he's saying, hey, I've been charging interest too, and I'm going to quit doing that so we can focus on this wall. So he calls out an injustice. If you're a leader, are you willing to call out an injustice? It's really easy kind of to just to be a leader, and just as long as everything's happening that you want to happen, like, just be good with it. Let's just say you're Nehemiah and the wall's getting built. You're like, my job's done. I don't really care how the people are doing as long as I'm looking good. So he could have done that. He could have just gone, hey, wall's being built. People are, you know, being taxed. Who cares? At least the wall's getting done. But he doesn't do that. He actually takes ownership as a leader, and it shows his integrity. And so I just challenge you, if you're a leader in here today, are you willing to own the problem in your organization and go, I'm a part of the problem? Or are you like, nah, it's their problem? Wherever it is, I don't know how it speaks to you today, but good leaders care about the people that they're leading. Organizations are made up of people, not just products. Organizations produce products, but it's the people that actually make the products happen, Right? And so you can care about the product, but what you have to really care about if you want to have a successful, godly organization, you've got to care about the people who are making the product. And so Nehemiah's going, I care about my people. I, do you care about the people in your office? The people that, that are, we have so many leaders in here. I was thinking today about Buncombe Street and how many people are under the charge of the people at Buncombe Street. It's a lot of different people. 
but take care of them. The way you shine is to let the people underneath you or around you or beside you shine. There's one rule I think we should all have is just to do the right thing and care for the people under our charge. Always do the right thing. So what Nehemiah does, he speaks up. Would you speak out about racism in your place of work? Would you speak up if you saw racism? Would you speak up if you saw sexism? Would you speak up if you saw bullying? Would, would you speak up if you saw someone being persecuted for their faith? Would we stand up for what's right or would we just go, as long as I'm good, doesn't really matter. Part of being a follower of Jesus is speaking up when we see something unjust. It takes courage. It takes you being uncomfortable. Uh, here's what they do after Nehemiah kind of calls everybody out, which took an incredible amount of courage, considering just a few months ago he was about to go to the king. He's like, I'm afraid I'm going to get killed because all I am is a poor cupbearer who's bringing the king the cup, So, if, and I drink out of it. And if, he, if I don't die, then he doesn't die, and that's my life. And now he's going, man, I'm going to speak out against all the injustice that's happening in all of Jerusalem, and I'm going to help rebuild this wall. So God takes him from kind of this smaller position to this massive position because of his humility, his integrity, and that he's willing to do the right thing. And here's what it says in verse 12. Listen, after he makes this spill, they go, we'll give it back, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. And it says, then I summoned the priest and made the nobles. Listen, I summoned the priest and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. Man, this guy's got some guts. He's like, I told you what you should do. Now you're going to take an oath. Why is he so bold? If God is for us, who can be against us? Y'all hear that? Uh, hello? Say it with me. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, that's the deal. If God's for him, who can be against He's not scared. Or he might be scared, but he does it anyway. I mean, faith is doing something in the midst of fear. He just like goes, he's like, well, I'm going to ask everybody here to take an oath. Put your money where your mouth is. And uh, so then, it says in verse 13, I also shook out the folds of my robe, bless you, and said, in this way, May God shake out of their house and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. That, I mean, that's pretty bold right there. May, may God shake out of this house and their possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. He's like, everybody's going to make a public testimony, a public oath, and if they don't, then God help them. Now, I love the last line. This is, like, super awesome. Um, At this, the whole assembly said, Amen. And they praised the Lord. What did y'all say amen? They did that in traditional this morning. This is what happens. I say amen so often that people think it's like a call and response. And I read that verse and everyone, amen. But that was the people who were asleep. <laughs> say why? They went, amen. I'm like, no, no, no. I just read the scripture. That's what it says. At this, the whole assembly said amen. And they praised the Lord. So amen means so be it. And they praised the Lord, and the people did as they promised. So in other words, he got all the people on board. He took a step of faith. He took a step of courage. He thought he might be persecuted. He thought he might be shot down. He did it. He trusted in the Lord. He spoke up. He spoke against the injustice, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. Well, Y'all don't have to do it. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm trying to tell you this is what happened. Everybody said, Amen, so be it. It's not for Buncombe Street. But, but they all were like, Yes, you're right. We're, we're like, Respect. It was like respect. They had respect for the man. I mean, the man stood up for what was right, and they had respect for him. I mean, it's so important for you to see, like, take courage, do what you need to do, do what's right, and people will respect you for it. 
I don't respect somebody that hides from, from the hard conversations, the hard things. Jesus didn't, just, Jesus didn't just go around and just try to please everybody. I mean, that would have been a disaster. Imagine if Jesus was just a people pleaser. I mean, he just went around and just, you know, didn't stand up against the Pharisees. Say, and every time he went to lunch with somebody, we had all these examples of Jesus eating with people, and he was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Don't, don't worry about it. He stood for truth. You see, the reason we should do the right thing is because we're righteous people. Jesus didn't always just do what was right. Jesus was righteous, and the right thing came from his righteousness. And so you've got to be a righteous person in order to do the right thing, because the right thing is what comes from God. The only way you know what's right is if you have the Holy Spirit to lead you and to teach you what's right, because you get in trouble if you go with your opinion of what's right, because everybody's got opinions. They're like, opinions are like <laughs> belly buttons. Everybody's got one. And so don't trust your opinion. Trust the discernment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you discernment about what's right, and then you follow that because you're a righteous person, and the right answer flows out of your righteousness that comes from Jesus. And so he just, Nehemiah just does the righteous thing. So I, I guess I'll, I want to leave you at this. Oh, today is, um, I didn't even think to put this in my sermon, but today is uh, World Communion Sunday. A lot, a lot of you here may not even know what that is, but it's just a day around the world that people set aside to celebrate communion. It's always the first Sunday in October. And so people all around the world are coming to the table. We do it every week here. Um, but before we come to this table, I want you to think about where you're leading right now. It might be in a massive organization. Some of you have hundreds of people that work for you, underneath you, beside you, however you want to say that, that you serve. Some of you might be just your children, which is the most important thing. Might be a classroom, might be a staff office, whatever it is. I want you to think about leading by example and caring for the people under your charge. Um, leadership is a massive responsibility, one that's underestimated. Uh, if we can all seek to be godly leaders, we'll exemplify the life of Jesus. I was thinking about our church, and I was like, well, um, I was kind of thinking about this organization and how we care for the people here in this organization. Uh, and how, how do we do that? And, you know, <laughs> I said this this morning. I didn't mean for it to be funny. I started with this line. I said, well, it's October 1st. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, that's why I said, and everybody started laughing. I was like, no, 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 time out. Um, I don't mean appreciate me or the other pastors. It is Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, I, I think we should do something different this year, though. I, I, you know, it's, it's funny. A lot of times the, the person preaching gets the spotlight, and people, like, send them gift cards and do nice things. And uh, a buddy of mine is in college ministry, and he's like, man, we never get anything. He's like... He's like, you always get to go here and there and meet with these people. He said, well, you know, you just forget about all the other staff sometimes. And so I would like for you this, this uh, month to think about the other staff, um, not, not just me, um, but think about the other staff and how you can bless them. Um, you can go to our website and see all of our staff. Just, just pick one. Uh, and maybe somebody the Lord puts on your heart and send them, send them something. Send them a gift card. Um, thank them. Uh, let them use your beach house or your lake house. Uh, y'all think I'm, I'm joking, but y'all got them. Let them use it and, and bless them. I mean, you can bless our staff. I, I don't think you understand. Sometimes you have jobs and you have pressures, but sometimes I don't think we understand the pressures of people in ministry. And I, I want you to bless our staff people. I want you just to think about how do I just pour out blessing on them? How could you do that in a way so, so big that if they got it, they'd think, what in the world? Just do something super, super kind for them. Um, 
I don't know, send them on, send them on cruise. Um, uh, send them overnight for a, a, a nice stay with their spouse. F- find out what their children like. Send them a gift, gift basket with, with some blessings for their children. You see, if, if we're going to rebuild our church, we've got to start with the people who, who are really organizing everybody else. Um, and so we've got to start with our staff. And, and our staff are super, super critical right now to this church. And so I just ask you on, on my behalf, if you would, just, just to do that and to bless them. Um, lastly, last thing I'll say, the reason we do all this is because of Jesus, and we want to reflect Jesus' heart. And Jesus did the ultimate thing. He laid down his life for those he loved. And as we come to the communion table today, that's what we're doing, is we're remembering that he made the ultimate sacrifice for us.